Good morning, my name is Karen and I'll be doing our reading this morning, which is all of Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and he gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. 
Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Very good. Thanks, Karen. And uh, hey, Pathway, my name is Ryan, and uh, I'll be speaking for the next little while on this Bible passage. Uh, We've read chapter one of Genesis now for three weeks in a row. You might be thinking, oh, again, read it again. But it's because we're doing a deep dive into Genesis, particularly the first few chapters. So I can say, I think, I don't know what Ethan's going to read next week, but I think last week, this week is the last week we're going to read the entire creation story. Anyway, uh, so we're doing a a deep dive into this book, partly because it's a good book to do, partly because uh, our Pathway Kids, that's why these posters here and they're on the wall, are also working through Genesis 2. We're going a little slower than they are. They're already up to From Bad to Worse, which is Cain and Abel and all that stuff. Um, So that's what they're working on, that's what we're working on, that's what we're working on in small groups, that's why we're doing Genesis, and it's a ripper book to do. So week one, which was a few weeks ago now, Etienne tackled verses one and two of chapter one, and he asked us some fun questions like, who created God, and where does the universe come from? And then answered them as best as he could. Week two, that was last week, uh, I chatted about verses three to thirteen, that's the first, day, uh, first three days of creation. These days show us how God formed the earth. He created it and he ordered it. We looked at how these verses are arranged and how it all points us to Jesus. He was there in the beginning. He is the light, he is the creator, and he's even more than that. He's the saviour of the world. God is still in the business of creating and forming While he isn't creating new universes, at least not that I know of, uh, he is recreating his people, those who love and trust and serve him. He's forming our lives. He wants to form our lives. He does this through Jesus. So that's last week's sermon in a nutshell, looking at the first three days of creation. This morning we're going to look at the next three days. Yep, only three. Day four, five and six. Uh, Etienne will wrap up chapter one next week with day seven. Now, I mentioned last week, what does God do over days four, five, and six? He fills the earth. He flings the stars, the sun and the moon into space. He fills the oceans with fish, the skies with birds, and the land with animals, with the crowning jewel of creation, being you and me, humankind. Thinking about last week, we saw that God formed the earth, and he wants to form you too. Do you think the same can be said today? Not only does he want to form us, but as God filled the earth, he wants to fill our lives too. Now, I suspect most of you are like me, and the first thing that comes to mind when I think of a filled life is a filled calendar. That is not what I'm talking about here. Being a Christian is not about having a full or busy um, life. Being a Christian is not about um, living... Hang on. Yeah, it's not about having a full calendar, not about doing busy things all the time. But it is a rich life. Hang on, that's not a bad, that's a bad word too. It's, let's think of a better word here. It's not wealthy. I really need to think of a better word to describe this. 
Let's try again. A life filled by God is filled with purpose. A life with actual significance and meaning. A life with a difficult-to-describe kind of beauty in it. So a formed earth, that's good and all, but without anything on it or filling it, it's kind of not that useful. Like this chair that some of our youth here made on uh, Monday night. They formed it. They had about half an hour to design. This is the boys. Half an hour to design, measure, cut, and screw it all together. They were tasked to create a chair. Not just any old chair. A chair that I could sit in and it would actually hold me. <laughs> now the chair is good and all, but until someone actually sits in it, and it does hold me, look at this. <laughs> until someone sits in it, it doesn't really do its job. So it's formed, but it needs to be filled. Yeah. So we see the same in, at the end of day three. The world is formed, but it's not filled. It's ready to be filled. Which brings us to point one. God fills the earth with animals. That is what we see God doing next. He fills the earth, and might I say, with some pretty incredible things. We see in day four, five, and six, the filling of a fully formed earth. He fills the universe with the sun, moon, and stars. He fills the ocean and sky with birds and fish. He fills the land with animals and humans. He fills his formed earth with beauty. It's easy to just pass over this without thinking all that much of it, because we live in it every day, right? But God flung the stars into space. There are a few things more mind-blowing than gazing up into the stars on a clear night sky. Thousands of stars, just, just up there, you know? Tiny little pricks of light in the darkness. We rarely think of them as enormous, burning, white, hot, furious balls of gas that are millions and billions of kilometres away. Fun fact, if you wanted to walk to the nearest star, it'd only take you 950 million years. What about the bird and the fish appreciators here today? How insane are our oceans? There's such diversity, there's such colour, and there is just so much of it. You know that with all of our tech, all of humankind's technological advancements and efforts to understand the world, 80% of the world's ocean has never been mapped, explored, or even seen by a human. 80%. Think about the crazy bird life out there. Did you know the hummingbird is the only bird that can hover? can fly backwards, sideways, forwards, not all at the same time, of course, but it's due to its insanely fast flapping wings. And, it's, and that can do that because it's got an insanely fast heart. So if I ran, if I could, for a kilometre or two, my heartbeat would be 140, 150 beats a minute, right? That's what an athlete running hard, hard exercise would do. 140, 150 beats per minute. The hummingbird peaks at 1,200 it's 20 beats a second. It's like so fast. <laughs> what about the incredible colours of that scarlet macaw, that parrot on the screen? That incredible bright yellow, red, um, and blue. So I'm like, which one is it? Incredible colours. Like, it's kind of cool, but is it actually necessary? Anyway, it's cool. And then there's the, um, the last bird there. It's called an Arctic tern. That thing, it flies 90,000 kilometres from one end of the world to the other. Not just, not just like once in its life, but every single year. 
And then there's our land animals. <laughs> there's a vast, vast multitude of different animals in all sorts of shapes and sizes. Some with absolutely mind-boggling design features. The pro- I don't even know how to say it. The proboscis monkey, for one. It's that one on the side here. It's got a crazy-looking nose. And then there's this other animal I'd never heard of called a jaboa with this kind of kangaroo, mouse, bunny, rabbit mix of things. It's just weird, right, and wonderful. There are some crazy animals out there, but God filled the earth with them. God didn't create a bland or boring world. He went to town with what he made. Now, we have a few keen bushwalkers amongst us here. I know that. If you're going for a long walk, you know, multiple days, with just a backpack on, what food do you pack? It's generally like your dehydrated or pureed sort of food, right? Food that's got lots of good stuff in it, it's nutritious, and it's probably got fruit, veggies, and all the good stuff in it, but it's all kind of mashed together or dehydrated. And let's be honest, it's a little bit ordinary. While it packs the nutrition needed to get you through the bushwalk for days, it'll give you the energy, the sustenance to do the job, it is a far cry from a Sunday night roast or a classic Australian barbecue with a salad that no one touches. <laughs> Different variety of meats and veggies, all fresh and nicely prepared, all placed out on a nice table with cutlery and plates. So while the bushwalking food, it's, you know, it's edible and nutritious, it is not comparable to a lavish meal at home. God could have filled the earth with you know, just the essentials, you know, the stuff that will sustain life and do what it needs to do. But we, what we get is far greater than that, isn't it? We see a lavish feast, a created world with more diversity, colour and craziness than is necessary. God, in his goodness, created it all for his glory. God, in his goodness, poured out his generosity in the incredible created world. For us to enjoy, to see and to show us a tiny bit of his goodness and greatness. Just show it to us. You know what, though? All of the created stuff, all the stuff we've just talked about, animals, stars, all that stuff, is nothing compared to the crowning jewel of creation. The final filling thing that God did in the creation story. He created humans. You and me. Even if you could travel the billions of kilometres to see the birth of a new star... Even if you could travel the world and see every animal known to man, even if you could dive to the depths of the ocean and see the bottom of the Mariana Trench, nothing compares to the created human. The birth of a new star is no match to the birth of a new human. The most rare, unique animal is not as precious as a human. Genesis shows us just how special, unique and different we are from the rest of the created world. We can never see anything that compares to the birth and wonder of a new human being. We see this in a few different ways in the text. So I really need to blow my nose. Can you mute me for a minute, Ben? I've been told... ...about that for a while. Thanks. Where are we? Yes, okay. So did anyone notice in the text the change in the writing when it comes to creating humankind? It went from let there be lights, let there be land, to let us make mankind in our image. 
Now, I'd noticed this before, and I suspect most of you have as well, but I didn't really know why it changed or why it mattered. It changes from the, a third person to a first person. We see a glimpse of the Trinity here, a divine dialogue, you know, God kind of speaking to himself, which is a tad confusing, but this divine dialogue is unique in the creation of humans, and it is not present in the creation of anything else. Now, there is an awful lot we could go into on this, but we're just going to just, just highlight it, like a bunch of these things we're going to do. Then we have the whole image of God thing. Again, a huge point, and one that cannot be fully explained here. Instead, note that none of the rest of creation has this title on it. Also, just briefly, there's another point I'd like to raise, but not dive into. Humankind was also charged to rule over the earth, right? Again, this is a big deal, and a lot can be said on this just by itself. But for now, like the image of God, uh, notice it. Notice how people are charged to rule. See that it's significant, and let's move on. However, there's two more concepts I'd like to just hover on just for a little bit longer. Did you notice that after, immediately after creating humankind, God blesses them? He speaks to them. He gives them instructions. God speaks to his people. No other created being can hear the word of God. As image bearers, we can hear and receive the word of God. There is a spiritual side to humanity. The whole concept of having a soul or being spiritual is unique only to humans. No other animals, not a single other thing in creation has this defining feature. And that is a big deal. The last thing I'd like to stop and consider is found, I found it rather mind-bending. A huge factor in what makes humankind unique is that all of human life is eternal. Think on that. All of human life is eternal. Not one person has died and simply disappeared. Every human that has ever existed is eternal. Now, I doubt that it's a huge surprise to you when I say that we all long for something more than the world can offer us. Deep inside of every human, there is a longing for something more to life. Something on the other side of life. Think about it. When people die, whether religious or not, it's so often heard, oh, they've gone to a better place. They're, you know, they've moved on somewhere else. You know, there's somewhere else. Maybe all their life they've denied God, faith, spiritual things, but at the moment someone dies, everyone thinks you know, there's something else after this life. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that God set eternity in the hearts of humans. If we force ourselves to reflect on this, Christ follower or sceptic, we either believe it with all our heart or desperately want to believe it. We all long for an eternal home. As Christians, our eternal home is heaven with God in a perfect relationship with him. In a perfect world. Oh, what a day that will be when we are taken there. Eternity with God. But what about those who don't believe? Eternity still awaits them too. Unfortunately, a far different eternity to that of a Christ follower. A complete separation of God is what awaits those who do not love, follow and serve Jesus. There is so much I can say here, as it is a huge and very raw topic for us all. All of, all of humanity is eternal. That is 
incredibly unique. It's an incredibly unique thing about us when compared to the rest of creation. When you stop and think about it, as we've just done, and I hope you continue to do, it really makes you pause and think about things quite differently. So to sum up what I've said so far, and before moving on, God fills the earth with his incredible things. Because, like the chair, it was formed, but still empty. It was formed and ready to be filled. God filled the, stars, the skies with the stars, sun and moon. And they just spoken into existence, right? God made some incredible animals in the sea, in the air and on the land, but none of which comes close to his crowning jewel of creation. You and me. Humankind. Human, humans are created very differently, not like anything else God created. Do you ever feel worthless? Do you sometimes feel like you don't matter all that much? Well, the very first page, page of the Bible addresses this very thing. You are created unique. You are not like anything else that has ever been created. You were put together by the hands of God. Now, Psalm 8 says it better than I can. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them just a little lower than the angels and crowned them with the glory and honour. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish of the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You are created unique by the God of the universe, far more valuable than anything in creation. In times of self-loathing, in times of despair, you would do well to remember it, to remember this, to speak these sorts of truths over your life, Memorize scriptures like Psalm 8 or Psalm 139 or the countless others in the Bible. There's lots of things. Tell yourself this biblical truth over and over again. You are God's created, loved and cherished child. So God lavishly and generously fills the earth. He wants to fill you too. You are so loved, in fact, that as his, he lavishly and generously filled the earth, he wants to do the same in your life. God wants to fill your life, like I said before, not with busyness or stuff, but he wants to fill it with purpose, with meaning, significance. How does he do this? Yep, it's a typical church answer. Through Jesus. Do you want a life fully formed and fully filled? That life is found in Christ. A life, a newly created life, is found in Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. The new creation can come into your life too. The old can go. This new, fully formed, fully filled life, this new created life, it is found in Christ. When we believe that Jesus is king, when we know he died for us, he took our sin when we believe he did this out of an intense love for his people, he enters into our lives. It might sound a bit weird, but there is some stuff, there's a lot of stuff on this subject alone too. But God, the king, creator, 
the king of the universe, of everything, he enters into your life. Christians have what we call the Holy Spirit. It's in the Bible. God himself dwelling in us. He helps us to walk in his ways. He gives us with things to grow the church. Every human to have ever lived has tried to fill their life with something. Something bigger than themselves. There is an element of emptiness in all of humanity. Now some old-timey French mathematician dude by the name of Blaise Pascal from way back when is attributed to this quote. There is an abyss within fallen man that can only be filled by an infinite and immutable object, which is to say, only by God himself. Do you know this emptiness? Is this you right here, right now? Jesus can fill you. He can fill the abyss in you. In fact, it is only he that can actually do it. And it is so great that you're here today. What if your abyss is no longer empty? What if it's already full of him? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? Praise God. What a wonderful thing this is. God himself, the creator of everything, lives in you. Recognise what you have in Christ is the best thing ever and then share him with others. We can be filled with purpose, with meaning, with joy, with the Holy Spirit because of Jesus. Because he was emptied, we can be filled. Which leads us into the next part of this morning's service. In just a moment, we're going to have what's called the Lord's Supper or communion. It's a symbolic meal that causes us to stop, to reflect, to celebrate, to pause in wonder and adoration at what Jesus did for us. He was emptied on the cross that we might be filled. Your life can be a full one, a complete one, a life full of purpose, significance, joy, love, grace, forgiveness, because Jesus emptied himself for you. He did this on the cross. He took the weight of all of our sin, all of the stuff that we do that is not good. All of our stuff-ups, all of it. He took it upon himself as a perfect sacrifice for you and for me. If you believe this for yourself, please join us in this celebratory, celebratory meal. If you don't know where you stand with Jesus, if you aren't sure that what he did on the cross was for you, that's great. You're in the right place. But the Bible is very clear that this little meal is for those who know Jesus as their saviour. You won't be judged or thought of as inferior. Um, but if you want to find out more about this Jesus, come and find me. Chat with Etienne, myself. Introduce yourself to, uh, introduce yourself to a trusted friend here. Ask him, who is this Jesus guy? That is what we do here. We want to introduce you to Jesus. Now, can I ask those who help serve out the juice and the bread to do so now?
<laughs> Take this little piece of bread in faith. Christ's body broken for you. You are filled because he was emptied. Take it, eat it. Remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus given for the complete and full forgiveness of all of our sin. Let's eat together. And this little cup of juice, take it, take the juice in faith. Christ's blood spilt for you. Remember, you were filled you are filled because he was emptied. Take this juice, drink it. Remember and believe that Jesus' blood was poured out for the complete and full forgiveness of all of our sin. Let's drink together. You can be filled because he was emptied. What a good God we know and love. The God who creates, who lavishly and generously creates. He created the world and he wants to continue to create in you, to form you and fill you fully. This life following him is a good one. Not an easy one, but it's a good one. Have you been doing this fully filled, fully formed life for a while? Continue to let him form you and fill you every day. He is still creating and working in and through you. Be encouraged. Keep fighting the fight. The God of creation is by your side. Actually, more than that, he is in you. Not just by you, he's in you. Be reminded of this today. 
And if you recognise that you have an emptiness in your life, you are seeking to fill that abyss, fill it with Christ. He is the only way to have emptiness filled. You are in the right place. Talk to somebody here. We would love to introduce you to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are in awe of your greatness and goodness displayed in creation. Thank you for the privilege of diving deep into Genesis chapter 1. We praise you for the reminder that just as you formed the earth and filled it with incredible wonders, you also desire to form and fill our lives with purpose and meaning. Help us to grasp the depth of your love and the significance of being your cherished children. Lord, we acknowledge that sometimes we feel empty and in need of filling. We confess that we often seek to fill our lives with things that do not satisfy, things that are not of you. Today we come before you with open hearts, asking your Holy Spirit to fill us anew. Fill us with your presence, your purpose and your joy. Help us to live fully formed and fully filled lives in Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice of Jesus who was emptied on the cross so that we might be filled with your grace and forgiveness. Thanks for the reminder and celebration of the Lord's Supper. May we continue to remember and believe in the fullness of Jesus' sacrifice for us every day. Lord, continue to form and fill us. Strengthen us to walk in your ways and share your love with others. May our lives be a testimony of your goodness and grace. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. All right, I believe we're going to have a song now, so over to you guys. Thanks.